Hey there, welcome back to the Christopher Governator Show. And this morning, I think it's important to uh, get out the word there about how to avoid being manipulated and gaslighted by fucking psychos, because there are a lot of weirdos out there in America, especially in America. It's a lot of meth, and meth turns people into shit, and they uh, they pull this this like manipulative behavior. And uh, so here's some. Here's a, some information about how to avoid that. Sentences for a crime they did not commit because they were manipulated by someone that they trusted. In this video, I'm going to show you six ways to recognize when someone's trying to manipulate you and how to counter those attempts, whether it's legally, socially, at the workplace, or even at home. So it's, it's possible that you're blocking that out, putting yourself down the road where you wanted to be. So what they did is they took a vehicle that was similar to Kenny's, parked it out there, and somehow were able to get an overview shot of that crime scene, suggesting that his vehicle was able to be pictured during the purported crime. And that was untrue. What's going on everyone? Spidey here. Welcome to the Behavioral Arts. And two weeks ago, I uploaded a video on the channel all about false confessions. I showed you real footage of a real criminal interrogation, and I showed you exactly how you can tell that the guy was being mostly honest and truthful, but he was still found guilty and spent decades in jail for something he didn't do because he was manipulated by the interrogators. In the comments of that video, a lot of you expressed concern and asked me, how can we know when someone's trying to manipulate us like that and how can we stop them? Now, it's very unlikely that anyone watching this video will ever find themselves in a situation like that, but unfortunately, the interrogation room is not the only place where manipulation happens. It can happen in your social life, it can happen at your workplace, it can happen in your personal life, and in this video, I'm gonna tell you exactly how to spot it and counter it. Now before we learn these methods, I want to talk to you about the very important difference between persuasion, manipulation, and gaslighting. Persuasion is something I've studied almost my entire life. I now teach it to sales teams, to individuals. It's used in marketing, it's used in sales, and it's not a bad thing for two reasons. First of all, persuasion is not based in lies. I would never tell someone to make something up just to persuade someone. And second, and most importantly, with persuasion, there's no losing side. Either one side wins or both sides win. Manipulation, however, is a whole other story. First of all, manipulation is often based in lies. Manipulators have no problem exaggerating or completely making things up to get their desired outcome. And second of all, with manipulation, there is a losing side. And I hate that. I hate when people use psychology to take advantage of other people. So with manipulation, one side is going to gain, but on the other side, there's going to be a loss whether it is psychological, emotional, or material. And finally, gaslighting is the absolute worst version of manipulation because those lies are cranked to the max. So someone who's gaslighting is gonna throw a whole bunch of lies at you because they want you to question your entire reality and they wanna break down your psyche. And that thing I was talking about with gain and loss is also cranked to the max. A gaslighter wants to take everything and leave you with nothing. It's horrifying. I hate everything about it. And if the only thing that comes from this video is that someone who's watching this realizes that you or someone that you love is being gaslighted or manipulated, then this will have been the most important video I've ever made.
So now I'm going to give you six ways to know when someone's trying to manipulate you. And for each one, I'm going to give you at least one non-confrontational counter to even the playing field. But before I do, do me a huge favor, guys. Hit that subscribe button. Turn those notifications on for more amazing psychology content. Oh, and that wasn't manipulation, by the way. If you subscribe, I will definitely gain by you being here. And I'm hoping you will gain from the content of this channel. So that wasn't manipulation. Let's look at the real manipulation stuff. The first sign of manipulation is that manipulators are extremely goal-oriented. They really are focused on a specific end result and it doesn't matter how they get there. They don't care about the journey. They don't care about the ethics. They really have that end goal in mind. So this can be something as innocent as a salesperson who seems really keen on selling you a specific item or maybe you're on a date and the person you're on a date with seems really stuck on going back to their place at the end of the night. So how do we deal with this? We're going to ask a very simple question. And the question is this, what other options do we have? There are two reasons this is very effective. First off, asking questions is typically a very good counter to manipulation because manipulators are trying to dominate the conversation and trying to lead it. And often whoever asks the questions is leading that portion of the conversation. Typically we see questions as the offense and answers as the defense. So the moment you ask a question, any question, now they're on the defense and you've flipped the script. The second reason this is great is because when you say, what other options do we have? First of all, notice we, like we're, we're doing this together. They're not going to say, we don't have any other options. This is what we're doing because that would be admitting that they're trying to manipulate you. Instead, they're going to have to think about other options. And just the fact that they're considering other options weakens that stubborn end goal. This counter is also a really great test to know if they are in fact manipulating you. Because if you say, what other options do we have? And they get offended or they seem angry by you wanting different options. You can be pretty sure that they were trying to manipulate you towards that end goal. So let's go back to the date example from earlier who's really stuck on going back to their place at the end of the night. Well, when you say, what other options do we have? Now they have to come back with, oh, well, we can have some drinks, we can go to the movies. And in their head, it's detaching them from that stubborn outcome that they had stuck in there. The second sign of manipulation and gaslighting is that they will tell you what mental or emotional state you are in. Now, we know psychologically that this is a powerful thing, that you can make someone feel a certain state just by talking about it. Hypnotists use it all the time. They say things like, notice how calm you feel, notice how relaxing that is, because we know that when your mind thinks about the state of relaxation, it can relax. The mind can create sensations that you feel. I can prove it to you right now. Take a deep breath as you listen to this video, and I want you to imagine under your feet a tingling going back and forth, almost like a soft tickle. Maybe it's more on one side, maybe it's more on the other side, or maybe it's under both. Do you notice that? Do you feel it? Let me know in the comments how that worked for you, but that has over 90% success rate. More than 9 out of 10 people feel tingles under their feet just by thinking about it. Now in manipulation, it's not relaxation, calmness, or a tingle under the feet. It's darker things. A manipulator will often say things like, you're clearly confused. It's okay, you can't remember. You blacked out. A gaslighter will often say things like, you're obviously not in the right state of mind. Your head's not in the right place. You're so angry all the time. So they will tell you how you're feeling and it's not good feelings. Now I want to show you a really terrifying example of this. The footage we're going to look at is from the confession tapes on Netflix and the gentleman in the interrogation is Buddy Woodall. 
Now, he is currently serving three life sentences in jail. Think about that. While we're sitting here watching videos, talking about psychology, he is in jail for the rest of his life for something he did not do. And I want you to see in this interrogation how often the interrogators were telling him what mindset he's in. And they did it so much that they just broke down his mental state. It's possible that you're blocking that out. Putting yourself down the road where you wanted to be. You got on the bridge that. Earlier, you said it wasn't possible you were on Blaine Road. You remember? You said it wasn't, it, uh, I wasn't on Blaine Road. Then you might opened up a little bit, didn't And when it opened up, you realized not only is it possible, but I was there on Blaine Road. You're taking yourself as much where you didn't want to be or where you wanted to be in your mind. You see something evil in your mind. You're trying to block it out, but you have to get so evil that you can't block it out completely. So you have to replace it with something else. Now you're not. You're losing your mind. You're getting your mind right. Your mind is coming around, okay? I absolutely hate everything about that. And I'm going to give you two ways to counter any time someone tries to tell you what state you're in. The first one is once again a question. And the question is, why do you say that? So someone's saying, you know, you're confused. It's okay. You can't remember. You go, why do you say that? And now they have to sort of defend that position or explain that position and they'll quickly realize they can't tell you anything about your own mental state. The second counter is just two words. I disagree. That's it. So let's say you're talking to someone and they go, oh, you, you know, your head isn't on right now. You go, I disagree. Because what are they going to do now? They're going to argue with you over what's happening in your head. That's ridiculous. So anytime someone's trying to tell you what's happening in your head, first of all, that's ridiculous. How do they think they know more than you? But by saying either one of these things, you make them realize you don't know what's happening in my head. I know what's happening in my head. Thank you very much. The third technique that manipulators and gaslighters use a lot is that they present their personal opinions as facts. In fact, remember this. Anytime someone presents their personal opinion as fact, they're attempting to manipulate you whether they know it or not. Let's look at some examples of this. So it could be something as innocent as a salesperson saying, this is the computer for you. That's not a fact, that's an opinion. But it could get a lot more serious, like an interrogator saying, I think we both know you and the victim didn't get along. That could very well be an opinion. This is a little more gaslighting, but someone you're in a relationship with saying, and you're always out flirting with other people, it's really disrespectful to me. Or socially, someone saying, you need to exercise more. That's not a fact. Exercise is good for you, that's a fact. But saying you need to exercise more, they don't know. They don't know how much you exercise. They don't know what's good for you. So how do we counter it? Once again, it's a question, and it's one of my favorite ones. It's just four words, and if you forget the other questions, this one is actually quite versatile, and it's how do you know? I love this one because what it does is it takes their little opinion and it throws it out the window. Like your opinion doesn't matter, give me the facts. Like someone who says you're always out flirting and they're trying to gaslight you to feel bad and you go, how do you know? So now they have to provide some sort of evidence and you've leveled the playing ground. It's also great in an interrogation because they're trying to dominate and they're trying to put these ideas in your head. We know you didn't get along and you go, how do you know? So now they're on the defense and once again, the conversation becomes a lot more equal. The fourth manipulation technique is something I call ambiguous social proof. Now, social proof in itself 
is a really strong psychological principle. We study in persuasion, marketing, sales, and it's the idea that if you tell someone what other people like them are doing, it causes them to want to behave the same way. And this has been tested and proven again and again and again. And it's based on the fact that in tribal times, if we didn't fit in, it was a threat to our survival. So we evolved knowing that fitting in assures your survival. This is the reason I get emails from Wayfair that say everyone's ditching their sectional sofas or McDonald's says over 1 billion served. This is social proof marketing. But ambiguous social proof is very different than that because it's not based in fact at all. This is the manipulator attempting to use social proof in order to manipulate you to think that there's something horribly wrong here. So they might say something like, or everybody knows how angry you get all the time, or uh, everybody at the party was talking about how you embarrassed yourself. This is something gaslighters will use a lot. Everybody says this, we all know it, this is a big problem. So how do we counter it? Well, you can ask one of the questions from earlier, like how do you know that, or why do you say that, so that now they have to bring facts and they have to back that up. But the best way to counter ambiguous social proof is ambiguous social proof. So if someone's trying to gaslight you and they say something like, uh, everybody says how angry you are, you simply come back with, oh, that's funny, everybody I talk to says how much of a happy person I am. Because now they realize how ridiculous their statement is and that this invisible everybody doesn't matter and now it goes right out the window. The only thing you could come back with is to say, well, who, who says that? Who, you know, tell me who says that. And you can go, well, no, you, you said it first. Who says your thing? And most of the time, they're really not gonna have too many examples in mind. Okay, tip number five is that manipulators and more particularly someone who's gaslighting prefer to work one-on-one -on -one because they know it's a lot harder to manipulate a group of people and it's harder to manipulate someone when there's witnesses around. Now, am I suggesting that every time somebody wants to talk to you privately that they're gonna manipulate or gaslight you? No, but if you start to see some of these signs within that one-on-one -on -one interaction, there's a good chance. So how do you deal with that? Quite simply, you consult a third party. And as much as possible, that third party is present as a witness. So the most obvious application of this is in legal situations where you ask for a lawyer. Make this a rule in your head, never deviate, really drill it in there, if ever somebody who works in law enforcement asks you if you can go in to answer some questions, always, always answer, I would absolutely love to the moment my lawyer gets here. Always, regardless of what's happening, it doesn't matter because you might be in there to cooperate and help them and they might seem like they're doing the same, but that is not what's happening. And as we saw, there are people spending their lives in jail because that didn't work out for them. So the moment that happens, lawyer up. But in sales as well, let's say you're going to go buy a car or you're going to make a big purchase, bring someone with you. People will attempt manipulation less when there's someone else present. But what do you do if there isn't anybody present? So you're having a one-on-one -on -one interaction with someone and just throwing these things at you and they're badgering you. Well, you could quite simply say something like, hold on, I just want to verify that. And that will make a gaslighter really, really nervous they don't like to be disproven. So if they say something like, you were so embarrassing at the event last week, and you go, okay, hold on, that's actually concerning. Let me call my friend David and see if he agrees. You're gonna see a lot of nervousness there. They might even abandon the whole conversation in a rage, but that's fine, that's on them. So you can fact check with a third party. Now I'm sure you guys could see how a lot of these techniques work together. So let's say Mr. Gaslight is like, 
oh, everyone knows how angry you always are. And you go, actually, everyone tells me how much of a happy person I am. And they go, no, nobody says that. You're always so angry. You can now go, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm really curious. Let's, let's call one of our mutual friends and see what they say. So you're using the ambiguous social proof. You're using the, the third party witness. So you can use a lot of these in a lot of different contexts, but the bottom line is the same. You're trying to go more towards fact and away from opinion and made up stuff. Speaking of made up stuff, we are now at the last and in my opinion, worst indicator of manipulation. This is something I have absolutely no tolerance for. And before I tell you what it is, I want you to look at this footage. The man in the video is Kenneth Osborne, who in 2008 was arrested and convicted of kidnapping and murder. And he was sent to jail for the rest of his life. And I want you to see what happened in his interrogation. They have satellites that are over our head right now that keep constant 24 hour surveillance of everything that goes on. And I've got these photographs at the time of the 28th, the day that she disappeared. And it's it's got a white truck on 43 Canal Road. And King, it's your truck. So what they did is they took a vehicle that was similar to Kenny's, parked it out there, and somehow were able to get an overview shot of that crime scene, suggesting that his vehicle was able to be pictured during the purported crime. And that was untrue. They used a phony picture of a truck that looked like his near the site of the crime to convince him that he was there. I don't even think they realize how messed up and unacceptable that is. There are countless studies that show that if you give someone evidence of something that didn't happen and it looks realistic enough, it will actually cause them to fabricate a memory. One of my favorite studies in this field is by Kimberly Wade and it's called A Picture is Worth a Thousand Lies, using false photographs to create false childhood memories. In this study, they showed a bunch of people who had never been on a hot air balloon in their lives a picture of them as a child on a hot air balloon. It was completely photoshopped. And in 50% of cases, people recalled the day and they gave their experience and they talked about how it was, even if it wasn't even a real thing. The reason for this is because our memory is a highly flawed system. It's built for practicality, not for accuracy. So very often, especially if there's a lot of emotions involved, or if it was a little while ago, we, we take in those emotions, we take our creativity, our imagination, we take memories from other events, and we could fabricate things and we could swear to remember things that never actually happened. So when you're in an interrogation and you're showing a guy a picture that is not real, you could be causing something in his head that never happened. So here are two ways to avoid this at all costs. First, be excessively critical. If something feels even a little bit wrong, stop and think about it. Ask for more evidence. Ask them those questions we talked about earlier. How do you know? Why do you say that? Get all the facts. And if it feels wrong, don't accept someone else's opinion. Form your own, especially in sensitive conversations like an interrogation. Second counter is that people who are exaggerating or fabricating, especially on this level, are also lying and we can see indicators of deception 
all over their behavior. So guys, on the channel, I talk a lot about lie detection. I have tons of videos that explain how you can know when someone's lying to you. I give great tips. I analyze actual footage and tell you what to look for. And the reason I do this is because I don't want people to be manipulated or deceived. So check out the content. I'm gonna work on so much more and really own that skill because if you're ever in a situation where someone is making stuff up, those red signals are gonna go on and you're gonna go, hold on, something's not right here. And that intuition, that, that sense you have of something doesn't add up here is often the best way to avoid manipulation. There it was, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it's a lot to take in, but I'm hoping you guys took some notes or you're going to go back and watch it again and try to see how you can adapt this to situations in your life where you might face manipulation. And if you're stuck on anything, please, guys, ask me in the comments. If there's a specific scenario, you're not sure how to handle it, let me know in the comments. I will help you figure this out. So I hope you guys enjoyed this and I will see you on the next one.